Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hello, welcome to Ruin. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast we ruin a horror movie just for you. Just for all of you. Um... Hallie, I would ask how you're doing, but uh, we're recording this. Uh, you know, don't ask us about time. We're two fucking idiots. But uh, uh, recently after the attacks in Israel, and um, we just want to say that we are too dumb to explain this to you. There's just no way. We're just two <laughs> idiots who yeah. do a horror movie podcast, but are obviously, um, it, as as a Jewish person, it is it is devastating to see that kind of tragedy uh, to happen to anybody, especially other Jewish people. And we certainly feel awful for everybody on the ground um, and everybody whose life has immediately been thrust into even more danger than they were already in um, in Israel. And so. Hallie, you had a good resource for people to. Yeah. I mean, because we we're we're just going to try and learn and follow along more and 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 do all of the things that people who try and stay informed try and do. Yeah, um, I think uh, obviously you know you don't need to hear the two dumbest women alive try to talk to you about this. It's just not for the best. <laughs> but I, you know, Alice and I talked briefly, and I think there's two things that I sort of would say. Um, one, obviously, we're part of Crooked Media. I think Pod Save America had a really good episode. Uh, about it, this will have come out a couple weeks uh, later, but it's called Hamas Makes War, Republicans Play Politics. And it's sort of about both the the tragedy of the Hamas attack and then the tragedy of Israel's response and then sort of the immediate rush to make the political point, like it's sort of like to use it to make the political points that people are already making. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort yeah. of like, an invest- like, it's like a broader conversation about like, we are as humans reacting to the horror, which is what we should react to. But then in mm-hmm. those moments of reaction, people are able to then seize on that feeling and sort of con- and use us. And we know we live in America. We had Donald Trump. Like we know what that means yes. to be have these horrible moments and these very human, normal reactions to horror be seized upon. And the other thing is that, um, and this is not, you know, no, no surprise if anyone's on social media right now. It's like the, it is so unfortunate that like Twitter under Elon Musk has like been reduced to what it is because I've seen, I know I've seen so many, so much misinformation. Oh my God, yes. Immediately from both sides, like people posting things from like Syria and claiming it's in Gaza and like yeah. posting something from a video game. Video games, and yeah. And claiming it's Hamas, like all this incredible, like this level of misinformation. So I just want to, talk about that and then like I think the broader thing is like I feel like as someone who's not Jewish I, I'll be honest I was like I don't I don't I'm not even gonna get into this like I don't even know <laughs> about it but I think we are then all called to both as like humans reacting to this horror and also Americans where it's like this you know this is a global issue that we are also a part mm-hmm. of um, I think it is it's on us to 
learn about not simply like what is going on right now, though, of course, like we should strive to get the best information we can. And that does mean like staying engaged and not and sort of seeing as things come out and like finding out information as things emerge. But also like understanding like the history of Israel, understanding the history of the region, understanding like how how something like this could happen. Um, and I, I, you know, I think people have compared this to 9-11, and I think that's an absolute fair comparison because it, it is a horrific tragedy committed against innocent civilians. And mm-hmm. also, it the people who will be punished for it are the people who did not do it. Like, there right. are people who have done, you know, like people in Hamas or whatever who will be, I'm sure, be affected by this. But, like, both in Gaza and Israel, most people are just regular people who are trying to get through the day. Um, so, you know, and it's not, I think it's just like, as an American, like it it is our responsibility to know and, and to, and to become more informed and yeah, yeah, I, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know, like, it's like, you know, we're, we're not that we don't know, obviously like free Palestine has been a movement in, in our country as well for a long time. It's just like, I know for me, I'm not, I don't know as much as I need to know. And that's something that I can fix on my end going forward and, and become more knowledgeable of what's going on. So yeah. I think we just wanted to say that. Yeah, and and you know I have no we have no idea what's happening actually in the world when you're listening to this. It'll be a few weeks later, and 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 I want to say I hope it gets better. I I don't think that that's know, what happens, but I um, I think I think Jewish people are scared. I think Arab people are scared, and everybody's on high. You know, it, it's an incredibly personal and incredibly emotional um, political event to engage with. So uh, just. Be gentle to yourself and to each other. And if you don't want to look at horrific war zone footage, like you don't have to watch it to be engaged. You don't have to expose yourself to those horrors as awful as they are and as much as it is important. You can read about it. Like don't sit and watch videos on Twitter that are depicting absolutely yeah. horrific atrocities. You know, the thing is like, because I feel like, you know, we've talked about this sort of when it you know, comes to like pre- police brutality and police murder of black people is that I do feel like as a white person, I am obligated to watch those videos. And I do sort of feel the same way about this. Like I, in some ways feel an obligation. The problem now with social media is like, even if I oh, yeah. watch those videos, I don't have the context or the information and the, and the information coupled with them is often false. So it's yeah. like, even watch, even if you were to watch the videos, what you right. were, it's, it's almost impossible to know what to take away from yeah. it. And I think that's get really scary. And again, I mean, what can we do other than talk about it? We all know this is a, now a part of our lives, like mm-hmm. AI. And then, but even before that, like propaganda and misinformation used to yeah. like inflame people's sensibilities, then then manipulate us against each other and um, obscure these larger geopolitical forces where people are always going to try to take advantage of this. And yeah, um, obviously, again, we don't know, we don't know our ass of our elbow, but we're trying to, in some ways, uh, engage with it in a positive way. So yeah, uh, listen, listen to Pot Save America. They had a good episode. I'm sure there's plenty of people with more um, erudite uh, analyses, but um, Yeah. yeah, we're just, we're thinking of everyone yeah, affected by this, obviously, like an incredibly horrific. I mean, what could you even say? You know. Um. So with that in mind, we're going to be covering a horror movie, <laughs> and this is like, I mean, this is why we evolved. I believe we evolved the art of horror movies to have a fictional release for real horror. I do believe yes, that. I don't absolutely. think horror movies don't exist for no reason. And so, what could we give you but a little bit of fictional horror? And mm. uh, that that of course is part of our ongoing. Let's scare Allison to death. Video uh, month, 
Hey. And we were doing a fill my head out scene, and boy, you know, because uh, we had just done um, uh, a couple different movies. I I've been trying to see or waiting to see and waiting for the right moment. This is a movie I'm like, I'm going to watch this obviously, but I'm going to wait for the ex- exact right moment, and that moment has come, and that is of course 1960s Eyes Without a Face. Oh boy, a classic horror tale um, directed by uh, oh god, Georges Franju. No. Mm. A French, it is a French-Italian co-production. Um, yeah, you know what? I got close enough. I'm going to say that. Yeah. And it's based yeah. on a uh, film. It is, of course, uh, or sorry, based on a, a um, what is this, a novel? Uh, La You Sans Visage by Jean. Okay. By, I don't even know why I think I'm going to pronounce anyone's name. And I would like to apologize. There is a inspector in this movie called Inspector Perrault, but it's P-A-R-U-T. Oh, P-A-R-O-T. I'm just going to call him Inspector Parrot. Like, there's just yeah. no sense in me trying to do humiliate myself. Do exactly what you need to do. Yeah, so I apologize uh, to the French before we begin. Um, a standing apology to the French. Uh, we also <laughs> like to have Allison um, watch the trailer. And, uh, Allison, what are your thoughts about the Eyes Without a Face trailer? I didn't enjoy this. You don't say. I, you don't say. I, I, I that... Also, like the mask it's, that she's wearing, it's incredible. Is it's incredible. So and like when you think that this is from 1960, like you didn't need much in the Ugh. means of technology, like high tech anything to make things. Like this mask is so scary. It looks like just like part of the head of a mannequin. But it's yes. so it's so upsetting to see. And this is a beautifully shot film. It mm, is incredibly mm-hmm. like all the details. This. Again, not to rag about modern horror movies, because there are obviously modern horror movies, horror movies with style and, like, attention to yes. detail. But, like, every scene, it's like you see the sun through the fog. Like, you see, mm-hmm. like, trees hanging over the road. Like, it's just, like, the attention to detail. It, it, a, a classic for a reason, obviously. Yeah. Also, I mean, we don't do movies from this era often. I feel like there weren't a ton of horror movies then. But, man, the fashion. Oh, we're going to get into the- it. The, the fashion, looks, the, looks. the fashion of 1950s, Ugh. 1960s American cinema is so good. I literally wrote, I am so tired of athleisure. Like, this is, I, I think. Mean, I, yeah, I, I live in LA. That's all there is. Yeah. And like, yeah, at least I, I, I so obviously went to New York. I went to New York a couple weeks ago um, to go to, to Lizzie Porton house. <laughs> as soon as you get in the airport, there's at least people with different styles, like different, like, yes. not that like they're all great, but like, oh, a variety in mm-hmm. L.A., I feel like it's athleisure if you're sort of rich or sort of like this 90s androgynous queer look, yes. which I love and I think is great. Yes. But it's very Gen Z and it's not really for me. Like, it's not really my no. style. We need, like, a tweed pencil skirt with a short sleeve cashmere sweater. Like, Girl, a fucking high <laughs> heel. There is a belt—we're going to talk about—I literally made notes. There's a belted—I don't know if it's—I'm assuming it's either vinyl or patent leather. It must be vinyl. A Like, a shiny black— Belted trench coat. Trench. Oh, Ugh. oh Ugh. my god! Like, and that's I'm like, I I want to get to a point where I'm dressing like that. Like, I am yes. done with a flat shoe. I am done with sweatpants. They're they're going to be there. Regard. They're always going to be an yeah. option. You they're know still what I mean? my house clothes. Oh, like a little cloche. Like, there's like a, a headscarf. Yes. Like, it's incredible. Um. Ugh. So yes, you're absolutely right to immediately. I mean, worth watching for that alone if, you, if you're capable of watching this. Which you'll yes. be able to tell once we get to the end of this uh, uh, summary whether or not this movie is for you. Um, we always like to take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of eyes without a face? 
very. I don't really know if I want to see any facial feature kind of hanging out on its own. You know? Nose? <laughs> like, what about a nose? I guess nose is the least is the least upsetting because just like a mouse without a face. Come on. Oh God. Yeah. Anything without a face. The face holds it all together. Yes. The face is what makes it human. Otherwise, yes. it's just kind of like whatever. The face is the canvas. The the, the, the facial the parts, of course, uh, the paints yes. uh, that God paints with to make your face. Um, mm. And would you like to guess the twist in Eyes Without a Face, Allison? Guess the twist. Would you say there's a twist? Nah, like, I think you kind of get what we're getting at here. Yeah. You're you're getting Eyes Without a Face. The trailer had no words in it, so it was very, like, I was like, I'm getting the style, I'm getting the no face. I don't know if I'm getting plot. Um, I'm going to guess that at the end, the woman without a face, like, the, because there's a woman with a face, and then there's a woman. Now, there's several women with faces. Unfortunately, some of them do lose their faces. And then there's the main one with the mask who has eyes, but again, no face under the mask. Yes, she has eyes. I think that she's going to um, take away other people's faces. <laughs> great, great, absolutely excellent And guess. then they're going to work together as, like, uh, just eyes, no face women. okay. Love it. Like a crew. I would say a hopeful feminist uh, (laughs) lesson from Eyes Without a Face. Uh, Again, not sure if that's where we're going with this. but don't think so in 1960, but, you know. Let us begin ruining Eyes Without a Face. We open with terrifying French carnival music. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, they get me right off the bat. And we see, like, there's a car driving. We're in the car. We're in the driver's seat. We're driving down this uh, black and white. So the movie's in black and white, obviously. You've seen the trailer. Um, We're driving down a a lonely country road. And we're sort of shooting backwards out of the driver's seat. So, like, you see the trees, the leafless trees hanging over this road, illuminated from below. And I was like, this is hitting immediately. Thank you. Please. Um, we see, of course, a woman driving the car. She's got a headscarf on. She looks, she's Ugh. distraught, but she also has a perfect cat eye. I mean, the which makeup. Is what you want, exactly. Uh, her name is Louise. We'll find out uh, what what she's up to, but it's nothing good, Allison. And we see her. Mm. She's n- nervously driving, looking behind her, trying to see if anyone's following her. And finally, she readjusts her rearview mirror, and we see there's a figure slumped in the back seat, mm. bundled in a coat and hat. And we sort of mm. see the bottom of her of this person's jaw and cheek. And this person does not have a face. No. So it's just skin. That's yes, they're thing. removing yes. the skin of the face. So the actual meat and the blood and the skull is yes. there. But the yes. actual face has been removed, which is hard because the, what do you do then? I, what do you do then? And I saw that figure. I'm like, oh, my God, it's eyes without a face. I mean. Uh, over here, eyes without a face. Who else could it be? And I would like, I've always, I keep, I, they're kind of on a favor. I guess maybe they're not on a favor. I just, Twitter's so fucked up, I never see them. But you ever see like people make like K-pop fan cams or like, it'd be like Nicki Minaj or like Doja Cat where it's just like them on the red carpet with like a different song. I want someone to make an eyes yes. without a face fan cam. Yes. Because like every look is so, <laughs> even like having no face, like the fedora with the big coat. I'm like, it's, it's still, still kind of look, chic. It's incredible. <laughs> Allison, behind them on the road, we see the headlights of another car approaching. And Louise, of course, does what you're supposed to do, which is panic and veer to the side of the road and slam on the brakes. Very, very uh, Not suspicious at all. And we see, of course, the truck, which doesn't care that they're so without a face in the car, uh, drives by. 
And Louise says, oh, she gets on. She finally drives down to the riverfront. Well, nothing good's going to happen at the riverfront, The Allison. riverfront isn't like yeah. an above-board space. Especially in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, at night. At night. During the day, it has a bit of a different vibe. But riverfront at night, that's just crime. Allison, she gets out of the driver's seat. Again, we already saw, like, the, the scarf on her hair. She is, I, I believe it's a, a shiny vinyl, like, trench coat, belted, but she is in heels. Oh, She is on the riverbank, muddy riverbank, no. in, a tr- in a belted trench and heels. She looks incredible. Because <laughs> if you're going to be serving time, you better be serving. You better be serving. Okay. So she goes into the back and drags this body out, <laughs> which based on the hair, and we see it's little, like, shoeless feet, it's a woman. She mm. just fucking flops it into the river. I mean... Do what you can. I will. I, I did it. I said, it's like, if you saw this happen, like, do you, would you intervene or would you be like, you know what? I'm going to call someone else to get in there because I was like, I just imagined watching this from the distance, like, uh oh, uh oh. Even if it was like a very chic woman, I'd still be like, I don't know. Yeah. Gonna, but she's so she's chic. She's like somebody else's job. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're getting thrown in the river without a fucking face, according to this movie, yeah. anyways. We then see the cuntiest phone. And this is the kind of thing where, like, I feel like, have you seen, <laughs> are you familiar with Delta Work? This She's a drag queen, and she has a podcast called Very Delta. We need to be no. doing what she's doing, where, like, she has a desk, but then, like, she decorates it differently for every episode. Oh, I love and that. for Halloween, it's, like, a black and white, and she's one of the monsters from that Twilight Zone episode where everyone, a woman's getting uh, plastic surgery, and it turns mm-hmm. out that she's beautiful and everyone else looks like a pig. Yes. But she, like, Delta Work would, like, put, like, a seminal book of, like, queer literature and then, like, a Barbie doll. Like, it's a whole tableau. Yes. And it made me be like, I think I'm headed in that direction because I saw a rotary phone. I'm like, I want a rotary phone. They're so good. Yeah. Just obviously get one. Big, shiny, black uh, rotary mm. phone. We see it ringing, of course, and the man answers it. He's like, oh, the professor isn't done yet. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'll tell him when he's finished. Finishing what? Giving some kind of important... <laughs> Uh, like speech at a conference. It looks it looks like it's at Versailles. Like they're in this like beautiful room, but it's everyone listening intently to the professor who is, his name is Dr. Um, Genesee. Again, I know that that's not right. And I apologize to everyone <laughs> in both France and Italy for what I have done. So Dr. Genesee, he, he gets up and he's talking about a new a surgery that he's developing. Okay. And he says, is it not the greatest of man's new hopes that of physical rejuvenation, this hope comes with the heterograft, which is what I feel like I had before I came out. Like I had, a, I was, gra- it was grafted on. I had a heterograft. And it's also good. Just I a straight face. Exactly. Yeah, I know. You don't want to get a straight face. You hope the no. face you come out with is gayer than the one you had before. I, you, I would think that that's the point. Um, but what, I like this in a movie. It's not uh, text on the screen, but it is a thesis. We're giving the thesis mm. of like, here's what yes. we're setting this up. I and do he like says, that. Um, the heterograft, in other words, the transplanting of living tissue from one human being to another, has only been possible in, until now when both subjects are perfectly identif- identical from a biological standpoint. This means biologically modifying the nature of the host organism. One method involves using heavy X-ray ir- radiation to destroy the antibodies to create resistance to the heterograft. Unfortunately, this irradiation requires such a high level of intensity that no human can withstand it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute then. What the hell are we talking about? Then I don't know if this is such a good idea, the heterograph. I don't think it is. And he says, so we reset to exsanguination. We drain every drop of blood from the subject exposed to radiation. Allison, the audience bursts into applause. 
And I think that I, you can't just take away somebody's blood right. and have them still be alive. And the audience applauds. I'm like, okay, so you saying we have to kill people? He's like, oh, we don't want them to be irradiated, so we have to drain them in their blood. It's like, well, that doesn't seem like much of a solution. The audience doesn't so care. Are they putting other blood in? Um, I, I based on what I've seen, no. So, They're just taking like, faces. If you're if you are exposed to radiation, it's not like it goes just to your blood. Absolutely. Um, right. It, 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 that's a great point. A lot of holes in the scientific proposal. And what I love is they're like, we're just going to say it and people can we're believe it or not. It. We're going to keep moving. And also it's funny because now we do have face transplants. Obviously they're yes. incredibly difficult and I'm sure a lot of them don't take. And it's, it, you know, I'm sure it's an extremely arduous experience, but yes. we have done it. So we're hearing it now it's like, right. we're going to have to irradiate them and take their blood. It's like, yeah, okay. It's, yeah. It's for the cinema. Um, but I said, this is what science was. And I guess still sometimes is. Uh, yeah. Dr. Genesee slips out the door and the man who answered the phone rushes over to tell him the terrible news the morgue called. I, you hate to hear it, Allison. Even when you're expecting it, you don't like to get a call you from still, the morgue. still, it's like, ugh, the morgue's on the line. And the audience, of course, he, he barely has time to react. His, his, his raving audience streams out. And they're like, oh my God, what an incredible speech about uh, something that we all totally understood. And this woman goes, think of the ramifications for the future. And he tells her, the future, madam, is something that should have started a long time ago. Now, does that make any sense? I mean, time befuddles both of us, so I don't think uh, <laughs> that we're exactly here to weigh in on if that makes sense for linear time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I guess that's... I guess. Hey, I'll take your word for it, bro. Um, so he storms out. Unfortunately, he's, of course, storming to the morgue. Um, and as he leaves, we hear a woman say to her friend, he's changed so much. Since his daughter disappeared. Yes, I imagine you would. Yes, that's a yeah, life-changing that's event, a pretty change, changing moment. At the morgue, Inspector Perot, and I'm just going to call him Inspector Parrot. I'm so yep. sorry, but also please imagine a parrot with a little trench coat and a hat, because that's fun. Okay, well, obviously, that's the movie I would watch. <laughs> so Inspector Parrot says, please, uh, he's talking to the, uh, the um, coroner, and uh, he's saying, uh, basically, you know, when... Uh, Dr. Genesee's daughter vanished from the clinic. Her face was an open wound. Okay. So I'm assuming this corpse of a woman we found without a, without a face, that's going to be her. The yeah. coroner says, listen, it all adds up. The car accident, the facial burns, the long immersion in the river. And the inspector goes, and the rats. Don't forget the rats. What about the rats? I think what they, are the rats up to? I think they ate her body in the river. Or at least oh. nibbled on it. Oh, I thought maybe they ate her face. Well, her face but was already gone. The they they would have loved to, but it was already gone. Okay. Um, probably ate her eyes, though. Essentially, they were still there. Yum, 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 yum. The coroner <laughs> says, well, it could be her, based on everything we know, or it could be this, because uh, there's another missing local woman, Simone Tussaud, who disappeared. And I wrote, bitch, what kind of crazy French town is this? Yeah, what's going on that they're like, I don't know, we got all these missing women. We don't know which one it is. Which is like based on the movies of the 50s and 60s, yes. exactly what was going on in, in France, Italy, and America. Um, but the coroner said they called uh, Dr. Genesee and they also called Simone's father to see if one of them could ID the body, which will be hard because, again, it doesn't have a face, right? Right. Yeah, that's tough. Do you think that you would recognize me if I didn't have a face? Well, will you still have your hair? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Is hair face? Is hair part of the face? <laughs> no. I, yeah, that's part of your head, but not your face. I would say those, the body they found had hair, so I would think, yes, I could identify yeah, you your I think I could identify you without a face. I think so, too, right? I've got other... Yeah. I, I we know each other. Nature. And especially if it's, like, your parent. I feel like it's, like, they yes. have been looking at you for years. 
Yeah, if it was just like an old coworker, I don't know that that like would really. <laughs> Why fly, are you calling like- me? Yeah. <laughs> um. But they, so basically, both fathers are going to come down and see if one of them can identify the body. And the coroner says something just doesn't quite make sense. You found a faceless woman's corpse in the yeah. river. Yeah, don't yeah. you think? Yeah, not a lot of sense is getting made. And so he, the inspector says, well, what's odd is the body was naked under a man's coat. And the coroner says, exactly. If Genesis, so they're saying, like, what we're laying out is Dr. Genesis' daughter was in a car accident. And okay. then she disappeared. So, okay. so the wound is from the car accident. So they're saying if she ran off and voluntarily went into the river because she was so distraught over the accident of, over her face— why she she wouldn't be nude? You know what I mean? Like that would like right. That's not like what what was what happened to that accident? <laughs> right. Well, the accident I think we're supposed to think was like before, like weeks before. Or oh. like so it wasn't like that night. It was basically okay. like she was in a car accident. She had a facial wound, and then she disappeared. People, I think, maybe presume that she had died by suicide, and so I now see. they're like, if it is her, the problem. Why would she be? She wouldn't have undressed under a man's coat. But it's like, no. well, but there's a lot of stuff they had to put together. The answer, of course, yeah. to that is, no, she wouldn't have. Uh, no. That isn't her. So the coroner continues, uh, you know, the facial wound on the corpse, well, it's not like a car accident at all. It's like someone took a scalpel and removed her face. That should have been the end of this movie. The coroner says it looks like someone removed her face with a scalpel. You got to yeah. do a little more research, okay? Yeah. I, I don't... It, and also, like, outside, there's you see the elevated train go by in Paris. And I'm like, oh, I miss Ugh. an elevated city train. Yeah. And you see, like, the sun through this fog. It's all foggy and dark. It's so beautiful. Um, then Dr. Genesee gets there. And, of course, he's horrified and silent. And they corner introduces him to the inspector. And Dr. Genesee walks with them down to the morgue. And the corner says, with her facial damage, it's only the eyes that are left to identify her by. And he pulls okay. the sheet away from the body, and Dr. Genesee says, it says, it's Christiane. It's my daughter. Just then, the assistant pops in. That's who was getting jumped in the river. Well, that he is identifying okay. this body as his daughter. This body. Okay, got it. Yes. So then the assistant pops in and says, the father of Simone is here, but the coroner says, no need. Dr. Genesee just identified the body. It's his daughter. This is why murders don't get solved. Let the other father come in and see if yeah. that's his daughter. Why right. are we just trusting Dr. Genesee? Right. We don't know. Also, if he's the family member of someone who disappeared, why would, like, wouldn't you be a little suspicious of him? Just to yes. be like, let's get somebody else in yeah, here. Yeah, why, yeah, why are you the only, yeah, no. Um, so Get Dr- all the dads in. Yeah, Dr. Genesee leaves the morgue, and uh, Simone's dad, Henry Tussaud, stops him, and sobbing, is like, are you sure it's your daughter? Are you sure it's her? Our Simone's been missing for 10 days. Something wants to happen to her. And Dr. Genesee sort of, like, storms past him and throws his valise in his Pussy little French car. These little French cars, I could not, I was, every time I saw a car, I just collapsed with the ground. Like, they're so good. They're so good. And he turns and he says, Pour curieux, monsieur, que ce soit moi qui dois vous réconforter. Après tout vous, il vous reste un espoir. How odd that I should have to comfort you, you who have hope left. And then he drives away in his tiny car. It's like, that's a huge red flag. You'd think if you just found yes. your deceased daughter, you would have nothing but empathy. Not that you maybe be brusque, maybe you didn't want to talk to right. the guy, but it's like you understand you're going through the same thing I am. Yeah. Don't be a bu- also, don't be a bitch like, about wouldn't it. you have some emotions yeah. that aren't just like ugh, like kind of like turning on a heel? Ew. Like I just feel like Yeah. Ugh, it's strange. It's an, it's an odd vibe. Allison, the next day we see Louise stalking another young woman through town, another beautiful white brunette with blue eyes. Okay. Watching her every move. She's hanging out with a friend, and the friend meets up with a boyfriend, and then we're, she's just following this young woman behind her. 
at Christian's funeral, we see two of Dr. Genesee's colleagues uh, gossiping about him, like, oh my God, his wife dies four years ago, and now his daughter. And one of them goes, Paris, fame, fortune? What does it all add up to? So apparently Dr. Genesee is like the toast of the town, like the most highly acclaimed heterographed surgeon. Sure. But they're like, well, what's that going to get you? All your, your family's dead, bitch. You know, like they're just being incredibly <laughs> mean behind his back. <laughs> That's like the French. Yeah. We see Christiane also had a fiance, um, Jacques, who we see say goodbye to Dr. Genesee and Louise before leaving the cemetery. Mm. And when he does, we see a bundled up woman kind of following behind him. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Genesee and Louise, they move all the flowers into the family crypt, crypt and Louise starts to freak out and be like, I, this is too much. That We've done too much. I, yeah. I, you know, like, what have we done? Um, she's also still, she's wearing the same glossy trench again. She has a closed, oh. black closed hat. She looks incredible. I mean. And Genesee basically is like, get a hold of yourself, woman! You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is about science and my daughter. And so they drive back to Genesee's <laughs> estate, which is huge. So huge mansion, mansion surrounded by no trespassing signs. And when he goes to open the garage, we hear what sounds like at least 12 gigantic dogs all barking at once. So we find out he has a pack of dogs, essentially like protecting the house, like intimidating people, and also to do experiments on, Allison. Mm, No. I know. No, we don't need to do that. This is like the fly where he kept getting um, monkeys. It's like no one should just be handing out. But of course, he's just getting, these are stray dogs dogs that we find out he just kind of collects. Yeah. Um. And, uh, but also very intimidating if you were to approach the house. You hear all these dogs barking, you know, I think you wouldn't, wouldn't enter, uh, you'd enter cautiously. Allison, he goes into the house and walks up the stairs and finds his daughter, Christiane, alive. Oh. Um, she's. She got a face? No, she doesn't. Okay. But we don't see it. She's like face down, okay. kind of like, like a teenager, like, I think she's in her 20s, but like, sort of like she's in this morose, like her face is yes. down on her bed. And he shuts off her music. We also see she has a big bird cage full of doves and, like, a beautiful room. All right. Allison, she found the notice of her own obituary in the paper. So, of course, she's very upset. A tough day. And he says, oh, I can only imagine what you're—I can only, I can only, you know, try to empathize with what you're imagining right now. And she's like, I don't have to imagine it. I live horrible things. What have you done? And he says, I did what I had to be done. Since that girl died after the operation, I took an additional risk. I made everyone think it was you. Everyone thinks you're dead, so they won't come around asking, what is the long-term plan? What if you're actually able to give your daughter a face? She can't return society now. Yeah, she can't ever leave the house. Like, what are you doing? This is not a guy who thinks through. He's more— No, he's he's in the short term, not the long term. Exactly. He's just not thinking, you know, two or three steps ahead of what's happening right now. That's the whole tech industry. I guess that's sort of a a scientist. You get obsessed with certain things, and now the future. She lifts her head, but before we see it, he grabs her head in horror. He's like, your mask— you have to get in the habit of wearing it just until the operation works. And it will. And she says, I, I don't believe in that anymore. And Louise stops by with Christiane's lunch. Allison, it is a bottle of milk with a rubber tube coming out of it. That, wait, why can't she have food? I don't, maybe she doesn't have teeth? The teeth are on the inside of your face. I think her mouth is just a hole. Oh. Allison, I don't know. I'm just describing what I saw. She would be able to chew. This poor woman, she doesn't even have, like, she's, like, been pronounced dead and has to, like, live at home with her dad and a bunch of stray dogs (laughs) while he does experiments. Like, give this woman a fucking club sandwich. Right, also, she could just drink milk. It's fluid. Like, you just put it in your mouth. You don't even need a tube. Right, right. What's the tube for? 
Because, um, like, she can talk. Yeah, she sure can. Well, Allison, so, you know, once you sort of pick a part of this movie, well, listen, <laughs> but let's just say the whole fa- the whole, th- the whole business is a mess. Her face is a yeah. mess. Louise brings Christiane her mask, which, of course, if you watch the trailer, you see Ugh. it is an incredible, like, a rubber motionless human it's face. So a beautiful woman's scary. face. But it's all one color. So we don't even have a lip or like a little bit of a blush or like no. eye, or like eyebrows. It's just no. a dead white woman's face. She needs to like contour it. Yeah. That's why I'd be up to every day like putting out a different look on my, makeup. on my makeup. Oh my God, how, easy, how amazing would it be to be doing makeup and be able to just like Wipe it off with a paper towel. Ugh, see, I feel like I'd really get into that just for something to do, you know? Yeah. Now that I'm yeah, dead and don't have so a face. She's so bored. And uh, her, her father says, I promise you, you will have a real face. And he leaves. Um, we still, again, Christiane, her face is still in her pillows. And she says, he took all the mirrors, but I can still see my reflection in the glass of the windows. Mm. And Louise says, he will fix you. Look at my face. My face was horribly disfigured in an accident. Look at me. And I look fabulous. And Christian says, yes, but you had a face. It was damaged, but it was still a face but attached to your fucking face. head. Yeah. Yes. He says, I have nothing, and it's his fault. He drove like a maniac that day. So basically, mm, saying her father was responsible, fault. she says, I wish I was blind. I wish I was dead. And Louise is like, oh, that sucks. Anyways, here, put on your terrifying blank mask. <laughs> <laughs> and she does. And basically, it's like held on by like what looks like a headband, but sideways. Yes. Right? Yes. And it is, of course, motionless facsimile of a beautiful woman's face. And she stares at Louise as Louise styles her page boy haircut, which is, boy, you have to be the hottest person alive to have that haircut. You really do. That's a tough haircut. If, if I That's a tough in, haircut if you have a face. Oh, absolutely. If I walked in with that haircut, you'd be like, okay, someone has to talk to Hallie. We have to have some yeah, sort of intervention. Yeah, some, intervention. Things aren't going well. Yes. Um, also, but also, what I want to do this as a Halloween costume. Incredible. Well, yes, of course. Allison Louise leaves, and Christiane looks at a framed photo of her fiancé, Jacques, who, again, now believes that he, she is dead. That she's dead. Before sneaking down to the stairs and into the study where she tries to look at the mirror, but it's covered. And she turns, and she sees a rotary phone. Allison, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, I'm calling him. Yeah, I think you got to. And being like, I'm alive, just like FYI. Still no face, but well, my dad kind of made a call here, and now I have to pretend that I'm dead. Well, I think if I if I was in love with someone I, and they lost their face, I, I think I'd be okay with it. It would be an adjustment, yeah. but— It certainly would. I think love can survive a face. Yeah. Changing and perhaps leaving entirely. I think yeah. that's—we're all, we're all hoping for that kind of love anyways. I know I am. Yeah, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't want to wait around for my psycho dad to <laughs> right. solve this problem after he's really the cause of all of. Like he's the one who got caused yeah. the accident. He's like hell bent on making me a new face. He said that I was dead to the world. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd get out of there. The I don't think that he's like man. the best caregiver. I think you're right. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. 
Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Allison, she, of course, dials Jacques, but when he answers, she just doesn't speak. And I couldn't tell. Eventually, she does speak with the mask, but I was like, the mask doesn't have a fucking mouth hole. Like, how could you? You can't even talk with it. It doesn't? No, it does eventually. I just thought at the time, she doesn't say anything, so oh. I'm like, oh, could she not speak? But oh, we do see it move. It? Yeah. Um, but if she doesn't She doesn't speak, and so she hangs up. Meanwhile, we see Louise uh, basically stalking this woman, who, again, we find out her name is Edna, this beautiful young woman. And gets in line with her behind her. I, I don't know if it's the ballet or the theater and says, oh, you know what? My friend just just bailed on me. I have a ticket to see the show. Would you want to sit next to me? And the girl's like, oh, I was, but I was just going to get one of the, like, the cheap seats. Louise yeah. is like, oh, you don't have to pay for it? That's my treat. And like I think because Louise is like a little bit older, like it's like, oh, yeah. like a like a not maternal, but like oh an aunt or like an older woman yeah. is like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. nice. So then like, she yes. yeah, so she strikes up a friendship with this poor girl who's Swiss. So she also doesn't know it. She has like she has like one friend from school, and yeah. we see them meet for coffee like a little later, at some point. She said, Oh, I know you're looking for a room. Like she has a roommate, but she's looking for a room to let alone. And she's like, I have a perfect room. I want you to see it, of course, before you confirm. I'll drive you there. My friends own it. And it's gorgeous. And the rent, it'll only cost you your face. No, shouldn't say that. But we know that's where we're headed, right? Yeah, the price is face. The price is face. Uh, so they drive out of town. And of course, poor Edna's like, oh, God, we're going really far out of the city. So they live in Paris, yeah. like going to the suburbs, which there are a lot of suburbs there. But it's like, oh, God, okay, how long are we driving? All right, yeah, 45 minutes? Come on. Yeah, it's probably about that. And she's like, you know, this is pretty far out. So I don't know if I, it's probably too far, you know, to go to school or whatever. And Lisa's like, no, I'm taking the long route because of all the horrible traffic. But there's a train station. You can get on, on the train there, be in Paris in 20 minutes. So they're not, I believe my mouth is watering. I'm like, I would love that. Like, that's perfect, yes. you know? That's the dream. Um, of course, they pull up to Dr. Genesee's mansion, and he's literally just ominously watching through the curtains, I mean, you know, like, and letting them go. I wish this guy didn't have a face. Well, Allison, you might get your wish by the end of the movie. I, as soon as I said it. Um, uh, yes, Chekhov's uh, disappearing face. face. <laughs> um, Edna is freaked out both by the fact it's the middle of the night, the fact that the, not the middle of the night, but it's like dark out, and yeah. uh, the she looks around, there's nothing but woods surrounding the mansion, so they're not even like, rural area with other visible houses. Like, there's no one around. And boy, are there a lot of dogs barking. Mm. And she says, um, are, so all those dogs I'm hearing, are they trained? Louisa goes, oh, no, of course no. they're trained. Trained to steal your face. No. Um, but they, she's like, don't worry. They're, you'll meet all of them, I'm sure. <laughs> Inside, uh, Edna is introduced to Dr. Genesee, and he offers her a glass of port. And I'm sure Edna's somebody's like, oh, these weirdos going to try to fuck me. Like, yeah, I was like, God it damn definitely it. seems like that. That yeah. would be my first. Like, I think in this scenario, if I saw everything that was going on, I'd be like, they're just trying to fuck. Like, that before I thought, went to Ginger. Yeah, and she's like, you know what? Actually, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have a drink. And this is pretty far out, so I just don't know. Um, but I, I don't want to get back to Paris too late. And, you know, I'm actually seeing another room tomorrow, so I'll just let you know tomorrow for sure. But it just seems like maybe. Yeah. Louise is like, but you really must see the room first. Allison, Dr. Genesee comes up behind Edna with a rag and chloroforms yes. her. Great. 
before 1960, baby. He got it. We're throwing the rag. At least we've gotten away from that. I haven't yeah. heard the last time someone was chloroformed. And yeah, I'm I don't glad. think that that's happening much, I hope. And he throws the rag in the fire. And he and Louise pick up Edna's body and carry her into what we are going to find out is his underground laboratory. Oh, of course, he's got like a yeah illegal shop set up at home. A hundred percent. And um, when she, before when he grabbed her and her and screamed, so Christiane now like hears this and starts to sneak down the stairs after them. We see Louise and Genesee take Edna's body into or unconscious Edna into a secret door in the wall of the garage, and uh, Christiane sort of hides behind the car. And as they haul Edna down to um, basically the face transplant lab, yeah, which he has built is. underneath his home. And uh, she sees him come back up, and he says, I'll start on her after dinner. So she's just, like, down there? Yeah, and he goes, I wouldn't leave that up to chance. What if she wakes up? 100%. And I guess we do find out that she is strapped down, but I agree. I was like, what are you doing? If I've learned anything for a horror movie, you don't leave people alone. And he says, this time I'm going to take a bigger piece. One section instead of several smaller ones. It's like, well, I could have told you that. Yeah, what? What are you talking about? You were bad at this. So they go to make dinner. How did he even become a face doctor? I don't know. I uh, Bluster, I suppose. Mm. Um, it go, they go to dinner, and Christiane goes into the lab and sort of looks down at Edna. And then we see her go into the dog run, where it's just like a big room full of 12 uh, ominous, gothic-looking steel cages. It looks like Ugh. a dog prison. Yeah. But because she is kind, and she obviously wants like some sort of connection, she goes and she's like petting all of them through the bars, and there's like a big one, a Great Dane that stands up, and she could pet him over the cage. Aww. And this is what I would do if I didn't have a face. I would just get every kind of dog and just yeah, like, I'd have all, be petted yeah. all the time. Just cats and dogs all over the place. And we see like the dogs are obviously starved for affection, and like the dogs love her and like calm down when she's there. And she shuts the light off and leaves the dogs howling after her. And finally, she goes over to look down at Edna's face, and um, Christiane takes off her mask and stands over, and she starts to caress Edna's face. Of course, to your point, Allison, Edna wakes up. Yeah. Like, it's chloroform, but, like, it's been a minute, and you're touching her. And she sees Christiane's face, which has eyes, but not a face. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly not as bad as I thought. It looks like a burnt Crypt Keeper face. Yes. So no nose, no eyebrows, but she does have lips, so it honestly could have been worse, because I thought we were going to see just teeth. Yeah, just teeth would be a tough look. Yeah. Still having some lips or tissue that covers your teeth. Yes. It, it was Pretty important. But that being said, it's not good. It is a, it's, no, it's a tough no, no, look. No, 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 no. No one's, like, going in, and they're like, give me the that. Yeah, give me the that. <laughs> Um, later that night, they, we see Dr. Genesee and Louise. They have uh, Edna on one gurney and um, Christiane is on the other. And they then in a very long scene, we see Dr. Genesee pick up a scalpel and cut off Edna's face. You hate to see it. Okay. And then there's a very long sequence where he has to reach under the face and sort of separate it, like, cut From the, the muscle. tissues. Yeah. yeah, like, and it's quite a scene. Yeah. And he finally goes, here we go, and pulls the face. So basically it's been cut around the eyes and the mouth because yes. uh, Christian has eyes and lips. So they pull it off, and it's just like, it looks like it's like a piece of bologna with holes cut in it. Yes. In the morning, 
a local man drops off another dog. So I guess like Dr. Genesee is like known for like, oh, like, the man loves dogs. Yeah, so you see a dog, just like bring it here. So it's a very cute German shepherd. It's like, oh, like someone dumped him in the woods. People always do this. I'm so glad you take them. Thank you for taking him. And Dr. Genesee is like, don't worry, I won't do horrible experiments on him, you know. And he takes the dog inside. Louise comes uh, comes down. And the idea is like, this is the next day or the day after. Louise says, mm-hmm. okay, she's eating. The face looks good. I think it's going to work this time. Again, what is the plan for her I and don't society? No. And Dr. Lee says, I've done so much wrong for this miracle. And Louise says, don't say that. Remember, you gave me my face. And I, all I have to show for it is a scar. And she lifts, she wears this like thick, str- these multiple thick strands of pearls, like as a choker. And she lifts them up to show him a healed scar. And even that's too much for him to see. Like he grabs her hands, like, oh, don't show me this. And she, she says, well, what do you want to do with Edna, who's still alive and now doesn't have a face? And he says, feed her, look after her, and then I'll decide. Bitch, we know you're going to put her in the we river. We you're just going to dump her in the river. Come That's on. like your whole thing. Um, Louise brings lunch up to Edna's room, which is basically like a cell they have somewhere in the house. And when she turns around, Edna hits Louise in the back of the head with a bottle and runs down to try to escape. And she runs down to the basement, but just as she's about to get through through the door, um, the garage door starts to open, and Dr. Genesee is coming back inside. So she runs back upstairs, and Louise runs down screaming at Dr. Genesee, Edna, she's escaped! And we're hearing the dogs howling. And finally, we see Edna run back upstairs and then a scream. And Dr. Genesee runs, and there's an open window, I think, in the bathroom. And when okay. Dr. Genesee looks down, Edna's dead on the ground. She okay. leapt from so the second story. Yeah, and she is bleeding I mean, from the head. Yeah. That's all you can do. Kind of takes care of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, decision made. So they bring Edna's body to, and I literally was so out of it when I was writing this. I wrote, Gravestone Place, the cemetery. God, woman. (laughs) Uh, Pull it together. Um, (laughs) Gravestone Place. Yeah, grave stuff. But it sounds like, um, like the street you should live on. Like, right. I live at 235 Gravestone Place. <laughs> 69, 69 Gravestone Place. Um, Allison, Dr. Genesee uses a pickaxe to bust up the floor of his family crypt where his daughter is allegedly buried. Um, oh, though, of course, okay. it is the body of Simone. He busts it open, and there's this great shot of Louise, like, hearing the, the thumbs, and she looks up as a plane flies over, and the plane noise sort of muffles the pickaxe sound. And then finally he gets through, he opens the door, and he just picks up Edna's corpse and just fucking throws it down the hole. And I'm like, I guess I don't know what a crypt is. Like, just a big hole you can just dump a bunch of bodies in? Is that what a crypt is? We'll never know. We'll never know. I'm going to the body farm. Uh, At the police station, Edna's friend, who we saw briefly, uh, like her school friend or whatever, reports her missing to Inspector Parrot. And she says, you know, last time I saw Louise, she was hanging out with this slightly older woman who wore these thick strands of pearls like a choker. And the inspector's like, yeah, there's no way this is enough information. I'm sorry, there's no way. And it's like, that's why we don't tell the victim's friend that. Like, just ask her more questions. Don't be like, oh my God, well, bitch, we're never going to find her. Try and get to like... Any other identifying factors besides a necklace. (laughs) Yeah. So the woman leaves, and another inspector comes over to talk to Inspector Parrott, who says, um, you know, Edna, who apparently is Swiss, is like, so now that she's, this has happened, she's spirit, then, like, now we basically have a string of missing blue-eyed, they don't say white, but of course they're white, women, who look sort of similar. And it's like, so what is happening? And they're like, a serial killer? You know, like, what? who is doing this? Yeah. And the other detective was like, that's really interesting because I actually have a blue-eyed woman right here and we see her. She was just arrested for shoplifting. And Inspector Parrott goes, let her go, but get her address. 
I have an idea. Allison, tell me, at this point mm. in the film, who will survive? Who will survive? Okay, I think Dr. Genesee? Dr. Genesee. Um, is going to die. Okay. I think everybody else will survive. Okay, great. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit kellybluebook.com to get the journey started. We catch back up with them, uh, and it's Dr. Genesee Louise and uh, Christiane eating lunch. And Dr. Genesee cannot believe how good the face looks. And the... the, uh, Christiane is played by Edith Scoob. And let sure. me just say, she is incredible in this movie because now that she has a face, she basically, like, her face looks stunning, but she can't really move it. So a lot of her right. acting from now until the end of the movie is her being very expressionless in, I like, mean, this very um, particular way that's so creepy and so affecting. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's just kind of like the mask, but. Yes, yeah. Because, like, just because she has a face doesn't mean, like, it's necessarily all reconnected to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Christian's like, okay, great. It does look good. I'm glad I have a face. But how do I come back to life? He says, well, here's what we'll do. It'll take a long trip. We'll get you new papers, new name to go with your new face. You'll be a whole new person. It'll be fun. We can, like, plan your new person you're going to be. Like, no. Christian's like, but I got a boyfriend. Yeah. I had a life. Yeah. And Louise says, you're even more beautiful than before. You look angelic. And Christian says, I don't feel angelic. I look in the mirror and it gives you the feeling that I'm looking at something from beyond. And so she's having this like existential, like I have another woman's yeah. face on my face. And then yeah. she finally asks like, well, what about Jacques, my fiance? And Dr. Joyce is like, oh yeah, that guy. Ooh, yeah. We'll have to explain it to him. Uh, obviously he has no plans of doing this. He tells his daughter to smile, but when she tries to smile, it's too big. He's like, not too much. I don't want you to hurt the face. Just then, the phone rings. It's a call um, by Dr. Genesee's patient. And it turns out that he runs a clinic. And it seems like it's all, because I was like, oh, it's going to be like all facial repair. It's all yeah. over the place. Like, it's like a mental health <laughs> clinic. Like, people are like migraines. There's like a kid there. I don't know. It's some kind of clinic that he runs. All it's, over he the place. He has to rush out. Yeah. So he kisses Christiane uh, goodbye, but when he does, he looks sort of like at distress, like at the seam near her forehead. There's like a visible seam. And he says, you haven't been wearing makeup, have you? She says, no. She's like, oh, no. Just, you look so good. <laughs> your rosy cheeks. Obviously, that's not what he was saying. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, where I put this face on your no face is showing. Yeah. Outside, uh, Dr. like smokes and Louise follows him and says like, why did you look so nervous when you were looking at her? And he's like, I, I, I no, no reason. And of course, he's lying. And he says, yeah. I failed. Allison, we then see Dr. Genesee in, a vo- in voiceover and a series of photos. 
And over the course of the next three weeks, we see Christiane's face in photos rot off her head. The heterograph did not take Allison. Oh. Second time was not the charm. Nope. Now, of course, now we see Christiane. I would rather not have a face than have a face rot off of my head. First, oh yeah, what is it? First face, shame on shame on you. Second face, shame on me. I'm not doing a third one. No. Of course, we see Christiane back in her room, petulant, down on the rug, and Louise brings her the mask to put on again. In the lab, we see Dr. Genesee experimenting on the dogs. We see him experimenting on the new German Shepherd. Basically, it looks like he's, like, taking, like, pieces of the skin and transplanting it around. Oh, just horrible shit. You know what I mean? Just, like, experimenting on dogs to try to, like, even if that, it's like, that's still a dog. It's not even the same thing. You're right. Like, it's not, their faces have fur. Finally, Christiane gets the nerve up to sneak out of her room and down to the drawing room to call Jacques, which she clearly calls him all the time, doesn't say anything, because he picks up, he's like, oh my God, why do you keep calling? You don't say anything. She finally says his name, and he knows immediately it's her. Of course. And then Louise rushes rushes in and and hangs on the phone. She's like, but she didn't realize, she just assumed Christiane had just picked up the phone. She didn't realize that she'd spoken to Jacques. Mm -hmm. And Christiane has finally breaks down. It was like, I am dead to the world, then let me just be dead. Like, just let yeah. me die. I can't touch my face. I, I don't know how to do this. Louis says, you have to have faith, faith in your father. And Christian says, no, he has injections he gives the dogs when something goes wrong. You have to get one. You have to kill me. I can't stand it. Mm. But, of course, Louise is not going to do that. Right. And so she's like, no, you're just going to live in this terrible purgatory in your father's house. So Jacques, smartly, immediately goes to Inspector Parrot. But, of course, the inspector's like, I don't know. He came down and identified the body. And Jack says, I hear you, but something is wrong. And I recognized her voice. I think I recognized it. And Inspector Pro- Parrot's like, oh, my God, that's wrong. Everyone thinks they recognize things. Like, oh, and he picks, starts picking up his police reports. Like, oh, I think I saw a man in a red truck. I think I saw a woman in a pearl choker. And Jack stops him and says, a pearl choker? I know that bitch. Meanwhile, we now see Louisa stalking another new young woman with a beautiful face. She is face. that bitch, so. Yes, and eventually you're going to get a reputation of uh, hanging out with these beautiful young women who then <laughs> show up with their faces Miss, missing. Yeah, disappear. Yeah. Um, so the inspectors bring in the shoplifter we saw earlier. Her name is Paulette. And basically lied her and say, like, you will have to go undercover for us or you will have to go to trial and go to prison for shoplifting. And this is her first offense. So she's like, oh, no, my parents can't find out. So which just yes. seems like something that cops do is just lie yes. to you. Yeah, absolutely. So they say you have to go blonde and we'll admit you to a clinic and complain of migraines. I don't understand why she had to go blonde. What did the blonde have to do with it? I don't know, but she looks fabulous. She looks fabulous. I mean, of course. I was like, okay, fun. I guess to disguise what she looks like. I don't know. Allison, whose clinic is she being checked into? Why, that's right. It's Dr. Genesee. Yes, of course. And of course, he's being like, what a beautiful face on this lady. You know, he immediately sees that face. Yeah. And we also find out like Jacques works for Dr. Genesee. Like that's how they know each other. And that's how he met um, Christiane. So Jacques still works at the clinic. And, uh, you know, Paulette's talking about her migraines. And I guess at the time, they would have treated you with an uh, electroencephalogram. I'm like, sure. I, I guess that's yeah, what we're doing in the 60s. And then we have, oh, he goes to see a little boy. And unfortunately, the little boy cannot answer how many fingers Genesee is holding up. And mother asks, can you save him? It's like, what, from being a dumbass? Like, he's just a kid. <laughs> like, leave him alone. This is like a little kid. Maybe you teach him an account. That's, this is a you problem, yeah. lady. And he says, of course we could fix him. But out in the hallway, Jock's like, what's your diagnosis? Do you think we could fix him? And the doctor says, what's yours? 
And they stare at each other, and Dr. Dicey says, so we agree. So, like, what, are we going to euthanize this kid? Like, What? Because he can't count? Yeah, like, what are we talking about? Meanwhile, we see Paulette get her encephalogram. Great scene. Where we see, like, the nurse put her, elect, like, um, electro, electrodes on her head. Yeah. And then, like, flashes a light to sort of, I guess, induce a migraine. And Dr. Dicey comes in behind the nurse, and is just watching Paulette's beautiful face and her eyes reacting to the light. So, of course, you know he's going to try to take that face. He wants that face. Back in the office, he tells Jacques there's nothing wrong with that Paulette woman. You know, she must have had migraines, but it seems fine. Here are her test results. And they tell Paulette, like, hey, you seem like you're good. Which, like, if you actually had migraines, I'm sure you're like, but I still have migraines. Yeah, help me. So they release her, and she's fine. She, again, also is in a belted trench with, like, a suitcase. Oh, it's so good. I want a suitcase. Like a like a, like a little, like it's a like such an impractical item, but yes. Ugh, boy, so is good. it chic with a trench and heels. Yeah. And so she, from the nurse's station, calls her mother saying, I'm going to be home, you know, in half an hour. And she says, where's the bus back to Paris? She says, oh, you just take the bus. is like a 15-minute walk straight down, and you won't miss it. And then you can take it right to Paris. It's the middle of dead, the fucking night. And it's like, right. there are no streetlights. There's no houses around. This no. woman is walking on cobblestones. We in see, heels? In heels. We see the cuntiest little French car pull up. It is Louise, who offers a lift to a fellow woman in need. And they drive off into the night. Jacques, meanwhile, says, okay, they checked out Paulette. You know, uh, nothing weird happened. So I don't know. Maybe I was just being crazy, but... Paulette's been checked out. And the inspector says, okay, we'll make sure she'll get home okay. Cut to Paulette already in the face transplant lab, about to get her fucking face cut off. Like, they're just getting into it, right? Yeah. They're like, we don't need to tell you how she got back here. You You know, know. you get it. And then Louise busts in and says, there are two men at the clinic. And he's like, I, I, I'll tell him, I'll talk to them tomorrow. She says, she whispers in his ear, I'm assuming it's the police. And he undresses to go to work. And we see that Christiane is sitting in the lab in a fabulous dressing gown, watching her, was about to watch her father take the face off, which I'm like, oh, that's also insane. Like on a chaise lounge yes, in like an underground that's lab. crazy. Yeah. Allison, we see Dr. Genesee walk outside in his scrubs. I'm like, what is he doing? The, the clinic is like 500 feet from his house. I did not understand that the whole time. Oh, okay. I assumed it was in the same town, but I was like, so he's just walking there? But like there? not on his property. Yeah, but I, that's not me. So we, it's Inspector Parrot and his little friend, the other inspector. He tells him, uh, Paulette, uh, it was one of your patients, was released earlier this evening. Uh, she never arrived home and her mother is panicking. So he says, let me let me pull her files. Pulls the files. Like, you know, um... I'll be honest, like, she checked out. Everything seemed fine. So once they leave my doors, the patients are no longer my responsibility. And the doctor's like, that's fine. She's kind of mixed up in a case we're involved in. We just want to talk to her. I'm sure she's fine. You know, I'm sure she hasn't about to get her face removed. Mm. Um, And so they, as they walk out, Jacques also walks out. And Genesee says, oh, Jacques, since you're leaving, please see these men out. And out there, Jacques kind of, like, is apologizing. Like, I'm sorry, like, I don't, I guess I thought something weird was going on. But, like, that woman left and everything was fine. So... I don't know. I just feel like there's all these coincidences in the call, so I'm sorry. And the inspector's like, oh, don't feel bad about it. You know what I mean? This is because your fiance disappeared and you've gone insane too. So no hard feelings. I'm sure Paulette's fine. Meanwhile, we see Paulette wake up on the gurney to see Christiane approaching with a scalpel. And she's like, is she going to do it? We see, of course, uh, Paulette's assuming her face is about to be removed. Christiane reaches down and cuts her bindings that are strapping her to the table. Oh, that's nice. And Louise rushes in and tries to stop Christiane, and Christiane stabs her in the neck right in her scar. (gasps) 
And Louise, I didn't see that happening to Louise. I I thought she was going to kind of make it out because, yeah. like, she technically is a victim from long ago. And but she's done too much. She she's done too much. No, of course. I mean, she's dumping bodies in rivers and crypts and tricking young women. Yeah. We don't need her. And Louise says, "Why?" And slumps to the floor. It's like you know why. Why? why? What are you talking about why? why? So then Paulette runs out of the house, and Christiane goes into the dog run and just starts releasing all the dogs. And they all run to the, there's an exterior door and that Dr. Genesee opens right as he arrives home. Okay. And as soon as he opens the door, the German shepherd, the one he was experimenting on, attacks mm. him. Good. And then all the other dogs run out in a pack and they- Justice for the dogs. And they tear him apart, Allison. Great. And then in the best shot, like probably, this is one of my top 10 favorite shots of all, in all- Wow. Okay. In all cinema. We see Christian also open the bird cage they had and release all the doves. Yes. In case we didn't get it. Release all the doves. Then finally she too walks out of the exterior door. A dove perched on her arm and she's wearing like this fabulous dressing gown and she's wearing the mask. And that's the Halloween costume. Yeah, that's the Halloween costume. And she sort of has to hold her arm in front of her so the dove is comfortable. And she finds her father's body. Allison, his face has been ripped off by the dogs. <gasps> Way to go, dogs. And as the white doves fly around her, she walks and she is free. The eyes without a face. <gasps> wow. What a movie. What a film. It's so good. Please watch it. I believe it's on Max right now. Nice. Yeah, that's where I watch it. Um, I mean, absolute 10 out of 10. No yeah. notes. Uh, what are some fatal mistakes you think mm. people have made in the movie? Eyes without a face. Fatal mistakes. The, the hubris of thinking you could do this <laughs> yes, as a yeah. medical that's, doctor. That's the mistake. Um, like, he re- like, and also to be doing it uh, privately and not, like, with the assistance of other medical professionals. Like, I feel yeah. like if this was, like, a group-run clinic that wasn't, you know, next door to his house— and this is what people were trying to do. Also, lying and telling the world that your daughter is dead when she's not, just so you can keep um, stealing the faces of other young women. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, you know, I think you really summed it up here. It's just hubris, overweening pride, um, I think yeah. is sort of the, the ultimate fatal mistake. Um, and then finally, where would you place Eyes Without a Face on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I think that a lot of this I could have watched, um, but the mask is so scary. So six. Yeah. I think six it, yeah, for it is more of a thriller, but there yeah. the, the face it has like the a face Hitchcock, stuff. Yes. You know. The face five. stuff really does um take it to another level. That mask is really upsetting. So yeah, I'm saying six. What are you saying? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go seven. Yeah, this, wow. This is, I think just everything about it just hit me just right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I like a a captive, I, anything with a face mm. removal is horrifying mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a seven feels right. This, this yeah. got me good. Um, yeah. I also want to say before we leave, another, uh, just to cycle back to our um, conversations <laughs> at the top of the podcast, another, uh, there's a great episode of What a Day, which is also another crooked podcast. It's like our daily mm-hmm. podcast. It's really excellent. Yes. does a lot of great coverage. And they have a, a episode that, again, will have already come out uh, called Not Some Distant Tragedy. Um, about everything. Oh, great. So again, another, yes. an excellent um, piece of work. So I just want to yes. shout out that episode, but also what a day in general. I, if you're looking for a 
daily podcast that mm-hmm. just like covering things as they happen. It's a really excellent one. Nice. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope this was, um, this a great one. This was, I, I, this just, this is why, this is why art exists. This is why the movies exist. This is why we have to have these movies. Like it is just, it's so perfect. It, it just made me so happy. Um, yeah. And until next time, everyone, please, um, keep it spooky. Keep it face. Keep it, keep it face. Okay. You know, keep, keep it. Keep it face. Keep, keep it, it face. face. Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Levy. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Sieglin, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Awa Okolati. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.